everybody. Welcome to the Evolution Podcast, where we question what makes our life truly ours. I'm Shereen Jaffer, and I'm very excited to introduce you to some incredible people with fascinating stories. I have Chris Atoki here with me. I This is the first time I'm talking to him. And I found him actually on Twitter, uh, where he shared a personal life update with us. And it just got me so interested in his story and how he's uh, created a path for himself. So uh, I would love to introduce you all to Chris and his story that I'm also hearing for the first time. Chris, it is so nice to have you here. Thanks for joining. Sure thing. Um, Thank you for uh, having me. You know, um, I've inspired a lot of people, it seems like. So, you know, I, I hope to continue to do that. I love it. So I'm going to share the tweet uh, with everybody that's listening. So on July 7th, Chris Atoki at King Atoki says, four years ago, I was homeless, sleeping in my car, showering at the gym, wondering where my next meal would come from. Today, I'm officially a homeowner. And he has this great picture of him in front of his house. Chris, congratulations. How how does it feel? That's a huge uh, moment for you, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. One, thank you so much. You know, uh, this is my first house. I, I'm i not going to lie. I never thought, well, four years ago, I never thought I'd be here, you know. Um, it feels really great. It's exciting. You know, there's a lot of house stuff that I have to take care of. Um, but it's a fun process and and I'm just going along with it so far. Yeah. And I'm um, definitely intrigued to see how these four years and even before the four years, um, you know, what life was like for you and what you've really gone through. And I'm sure there were a lot of epiphanies you had along the way that has brought you to this point. So uh, tell me about your childhood. Where did you grow up and how did you grow up? Sure. I mean, you know, that's a story in itself. Uh, my parents were both in the army. And so I was born in law in Oklahoma, uh, Fort Sill on an army base. <laughs> you know, I was an army brat. And uh, just from then, we've I've moved around a lot, you know, but one of the things that I always like to say is I'm, I'm grateful that I did. Uh, it sucks because I didn't really have any maybe long-term friends, um, but uh, I, I like being able to see a lot of different things, a lot of different environments, communities, a lot of different people, but uh, it wasn't moving around, you know, city to city. It was moving around from, you know, I was born in Oklahoma. I moved to Texas. I moved to New Jersey and then left and came back to Texas for a little while. So, you know, it's, it's like cross-country trips. So, um, as soon as I'm making friends, you know, that two years later um, from meeting that person or, you know, those people, I'm moving 3,000 miles away or how, or, you know, however far it was, 1,000 miles or something. Um, so that would be, that was the hardest thing. And then the other thing with that is just, just the move itself. You know, moving is fun. I got, I, I am grateful that I got to see a lot of things in retrospect, but at the time, you know, I hated getting my own room, getting everything set up, you know, having my own bed and getting used to something and then just having to pick up and now it's time to to go to a new place, to a new environment. So back then it was hard uh, because you get used to something and then it just gets taken away from you kind of. That's how it felt. But, yeah. you know, in retrospect, it was it was OK. Interesting. So what ultimately led you to finding yourself unhomed? Um, what led to that huge, you know, life change for you? 
Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, one of the things is uh, I'll say through my teenage years, uh, my mother and I, we didn't really have that great of a relationship. There were some things that uh, I guess we just butt heads a lot. Um, uh, a lot of people ask, you know, was I disrespectful or, you know, what did I do to make her kick me out? Um, let's just say we just had a disagreement and um, she just decided it would be best if I left. So um, at the time I was uh, working uh, full-time and going to school full-time. Uh, and I actually had uh, lost my job uh, uh, a few weeks before she, she kicked me out and we had our disagreement and, you know, then that's whenever I got kicked out and I found myself homeless at that point. Yikes. How old were you then? Uh, I want to say I was 19 turning 20. Wow. That is tough. So you're 19 turning 20. You've just lost your job. You're going to school full time. Uh, what do you do? What do you do that night or day? Uh, as soon as it happens, what do you do? Well, as soon as it happened, uh, I slept in my car. You know, I was, tried to, I didn't really have family members that I could call. Once again, you know, because of my relationship with my mom, uh, it turned out to where the whole family was just like, oh, he's just this disrespectful teenager or, you know, young adult or whatever they called me. But um, so I didn't really have anybody to turn to. And I had my car with, you know, two bags packed full of all my clothes that I had and my mom's because uh, she gave me, I think it was uh, two minutes to pack as much stuff as I could and stuff it into trash bags in my car. And that's all I could fit. So um, I had that stayed in my car. I drove to um just a Walmart because I thought that was the only place I could, you know, park my car overnight and not get, you know, pulled, uh, get stopped by the cops or, you know, snuck up on or anything like that. And I just, I just slept. I had to think about it, you know, like I, at that point, I didn't have a job. Um, and I actually just had stopped going to school too, because I had to try to work full time, but I lost my job, lost school, and then lost my house at that point. So the only thing I could do was just find somewhere to, to go. Oh man. What was going through your head at the time? Um, are you someone who, you know, obviously in that huge life changing moment, um, were you someone who was thinking 10 steps ahead? Were you just trying to keep your cool in the moment? Uh, I, I just trying to get an understanding of your even headspace at that point. Uh, at that time, it just seemed like my whole world was crashing down. I mean, you know, like I said, go from losing my job to getting kicked out happening within two ten and a half weeks, maybe three weeks, you know, less than a month. Not to mention this was all like right before my birthday or something, too. So it's just being at that point then, I just thought, you know, is this what the end of my life is looking like? You know, I didn't have any plans. I didn't have that oh, you know, let me let me make the best out of my situation. I was just looking at why are all these bad things happening? I didn't understand what I did so wrong to deserve it. I didn't think, you know, I'm a quiet person. I don't, I don't go out, you know, doing anything that I'm not supposed to. I just thought I had my head on straight. And then out of nowhere, almost, it just seemed like a left, right, you know, one thing after another was just getting taken away from me. Damn, that's a lot of life happening. Uh, and I'm not surprised that that was the reaction um, that was going through your head. So how, what is that first week? Um, I mean, as much as you can remember, I know it was a little while ago, but I feel like 
these are the type of memories that unfortunately really stay with you. Uh, what was that first week or next few days like for you? Um, how did you go about it? Yeah, so, you know, at first it was just trying to see if there was anybody I could crash with, you know, like, even though I didn't really have the family members that I could depend on. One thing was I tried to call, you know, anybody, my uncles, my, you know, grandparents or whatever, and see, you know, hey, can I stay with you for a little bit? And it was, you know, no, not really, you know, it was more like, you know, we heard what happened with your mom and, you know, we, we don't, we don't want you to do the same thing to us, or we don't want you to be disrespectful to us or something. And once again, you know, I, I wasn't being disrespectful, but it was more of, it's my word against her. So at first it was just trying to survive, you know, at that point, um, and I talked about my lowest point, you know, in the tweet, but at that point, I'll say the first couple of days, the first week or so I had a little bit of money in reserves. It might've been like, you know, $500 or something like that, but I wasn't, completely lost i had a little bit of money saved up uh to to not completely fall on my face but i had no income coming in so at that point it was just kind of feeling around for my my next move or what i should do next but once again it was kind of hard to because i was being in my own head and everything and i was just just i was just down on myself and depressed yeah yeah, I mean, you obviously you're you're not getting any support from family. What about friends? Uh, I know obviously you spent so much of your childhood moving around and didn't get to build those long term friendships. But did you have any friends you could stay with? No, not really. You know, the, the thing is, uh, I did have a girlfriend at the time, which is one of the reasons why my mom kicked me out. She she said that she didn't like uh, the girl that I was with, but you know that that. That was another issue. <laughs> but um, so what I she was at, she was in college at the time. And one of the things I tried to do was see if I could crash in her dorm room, you know, uh, and try to sneak and do that. But, you know, her father uh, wasn't, um, you know, having that. And I understood, you know, nobody, I, if I had a daughter, I would say the same thing, like, no, no, no. But um, so and, you know, friends, I didn't really have any friends, especially because I didn't I never was able to form those long term bonds with with anybody, you know, for years or something. So when I was in Vineland, New Jersey, when I graduated, you know, I had only been in Vineland for the past two years at the time. So I don't think that's enough time, especially when I'm focusing on school, sports and going to college. I, d I didn't really have that time to form those friendships to where, you know, when I'm in a spot or when I was in the spot like I was in, I the, the friends that I could call and say, hey, can I crash with you? I didn't really have that. And you mentioned you had $500 in your pocket. So what did you do with that money? Well, coincidentally enough, the battery on my car that I had, it was a $1,000, you know, 1995 Ford Thunderbird. The battery was too small. It kept going out. And that was one of the first things I had to get. Then another thing was it was raining one day back there and I had swerved out into the other lane. So I had to get tires and that ate up my money quicker than I would have ever thought it would. Cause I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about cars. I didn't know anything about that. And I didn't know how much it costs to repair it. So, you know, because that was my home at that time, the car is, I had to first make sure that that was right. So, you know, that first week, you know, you can stretch out $500. I've done it before, but you know, at that time, the first, I think it was like the third day or something like that. I had to fix all the stuff in my car and that cost almost $300 already. So 
man. That $500 turned into 200, you know, real quick. Wow. That, uh, that's rough. <laughs> that is freaking rough. All right. So you're staying in your car. Um, you're, you said you were parked in front of a Walmart. Um, you didn't, you essentially have no money, no family, no friends. Then what? I mean, what happens? I, you know, I, I, uh, I haven't told anybody, you know, starting, starting from, I guess, when I was talking about it, I guess the eighth, the day after when I had time to write, but, you know, that was my lowest, that was, I felt like that was absolute zero, you know, like, I talked about a point where I was in front of Walmart, I told you it was around the time before my birthday was, and um, I had like 83 cents in my account at this time, and, you know, I, I just, I wanted to die at that point. You know, I thought I had I had nothing else to live for. I had no job. My car was crap. <laughs> you know, I just spent all my money trying to just barely survive. I wasn't in college. I didn't really have a future. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any family, any friends. I thought I was at absolute zero and I just wanted to die. I was just like, you know, should I just kill myself? Honestly, you know, that's, that's what I, I got to the point of. And I just had... A talk with myself, I guess, to say, you know, is that the best thing? You know, what happens next? Like, I had I shared a tweet where I didn't really, I didn't know how to describe it. I don't want to say like an out of body experience, but you know, in my car, the rear view mirror was broken off and it was in the back seat. <laughs> you know, I was, I'm telling you, this is the worst car that you've probably ever seen. But, um, you know, I grabbed it, I looked myself literally in the mirror, and it's almost like I could see myself outside of myself that's the way i can describe it but it's mm -hmm. i guess it's as close to an out-of-body experience as you can get but in a good way but that's where at that point you know it was either i saw the two options which was off myself or kill myself or whatever or start living for myself and that's what i chose to do is say because at that point, I saw I couldn't depend on anybody else. I couldn't trust anybody else, but I could always depend on myself. And that's what I decided to live for was myself. That is powerful. That recognition that we've got to start living for ourselves. And in the moments where we can't trust anyone else, depend on anyone else, we're all we've got. And even when we've got people we can trust and depend on, even then, You've got to be able to trust yourself first uh, and depend on yourself first. So that moment happens. And then what does, do you feel this instant switch in your mindset of, okay, now I'm going to go get it. Or, you know, was it, was it still a battle um, and, and something you had to constantly fight every, every day? I mean, it was a little bit of both, you know, because uh, it was like an instant switch. It was almost like a fire that just awakened like, Hey, I have something to live for, you know, I'm starting at absolute zero, you know, I'm still there, I'm still hungry, I'm still, I don't have any money, I'm not, uh, you know, gonna be going out, I guess, standing on the street asking for, for money or anything like that, I say, no, I want to go and get it, you know, I want to go and take control of my life, that's kind of how I put it to myself back then, it's like, instead of letting all this stuff happen to me, like, letting all these things get taken away from me, how about I go take something from life, and that's kind of what I decided to do, so, you know, after, I think it was like the day, or the day after, or the day after that, or something like that, you know, after I had this I guess, realization, self-realization. Um, I went to the nearest library. It was like this 
uh, librarian violent on Cumberland or on Landis Avenue. And um, I went in there and I applied for literally every job. I mean, I went on Indeed, Monster, ZipRecruiter, Dice.com, and I didn't even put in like a job title. I put in Vineland, New Jersey, and I pressed search. <laughs> and every job that came up, I applied for it. I, I was looking back just then because Indeed saves all the jobs that you apply for pretty much. And I think uh, within that time, just off of Indeed, I applied to over 1,500 jobs, you know, and the same thing for, for ZipRecruiter, the same thing for Monster, you know, uh, hundreds, hundreds, like for indeed thousands, you know, of jobs. And that's where my fire came from. I was like, I don't want to be where I am, but I'm going to be somewhere. There's jobs out there where people will literally hire a monkey to do the job. And I'm like, I think I can do a job that a monkey can do. <laughs> you know, I went for it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're focused on the outcome. You were willing to take whatever because you knew you got to you gotta make the money. Uh, you had to kind of get your basics covered. So do, do you hear back? I mean, you know, unfortunately we hear uh, online boards, job boards not being the most effective, but with that sheer volume of applications you're sending out, what's your experience? Yeah, you know, the thing with that, and it goes back to what you asked, you know, was it a kind of a, a struggle every day? And it was because... I'll, I'll get a call back or something. And, you know, I barely had anything on my resume. It's kind of like high school graduate, you know, worked at a warehouse for, uh, you know, almost a year or something like that. And that's it, you know? Um, so it was kind of like, hey, what can you do? And I'm like, I don't know, what is the job asking for? And then it's like, click, you know, or uh, I'll get an interview. They're like, hey, come in. And they'll literally take one look at me and be like, no, we're looking for somebody with more experience. And it's like, it's a, it's a pickle farm, you know, like who has experience putting pickles in a box. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's, it was, it was a struggle every day because say for the 1500 jobs, I'll get 1400 immediate no's. I'll get 1500 or 50 times where people will see me and then say no. And then I might get 10 yeses. And those are what I focused on. So it was hard. But I didn't focus on the bad because I told you I was living for myself at that point. Once I had a bad, like, say, if I got a no on an uh, interview, I got a no for a job or something. I don't care. That job doesn't even exist anymore in my mind. I'm looking for the ones that can potentially say yes. But how do you, you know, how do you find that mindset when you are struggling so much, I mean, you're hungry, like you're literally hungry. I don't mean hunger from like you're passionate and want to get a job. You're <laughs> literally hungry. So, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, I, I coach so many people on, you know, building a life for themselves. I mean, that's why I do this podcast. I want to help people find their own path. But one of the biggest things, um, you know, I get is, well, when you don't have your basics covered, when you're starving, when you don't have a roof over your head, you don't get time to think about, you know, how to build life in your own way. But you kind of did. Like for you, it was, I don't have time to not think about it. Like all I need to do is figure out how to build this life for myself. So would you say it was just this like adrenaline inside you that didn't you know, let you go in a negative headspace? I mean, what was it? How would you describe it? Yeah. And I like the word that you use, adrenaline. See, adrenaline, that only lasts for, that's a bunch of energy that just expels in a short burst. 
And that's what I focused on. You know, I didn't make a goal saying, hey, I'm have nothing in my account right now. I want to have a thousand dollars. I want to have two billion dollars. I want to have a million dollars, whatever it is. I was like, no, right now I have zero dollars in my account. Let me get to ten dollars. Let me get consistent. Mm -hmm. You know, having that. I wasn't focused on what happens next. I was like, let me get a job first. I'll figure that out. You know, I can find food. I can buy noodles for 13 cents or, or 25 cents by finding a cord on the ground. I can do that. Like I'll be satisfied, but I'm not focused on just the, you know, what's good, what the, what the negatives are in my life. Like, Oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I'm living in my car. Oh, I'm cold or something like that. I'm like, no, let me find what's going, what's the next step up, you know, not where am I now, but like, where am I going to be tomorrow? Where am I going to be next week? And that's what I focused on. It was, a, it was like, yes, it was a fire. It was the fire for living for myself, I guess. But it was more of just, hey, I'm right here now. I know where I am now and I don't want to be here anymore. You know, not where am I going to be in 10 years? It's where am I going to be two days from now? Where am I going to be next week? And that's where I got adrenaline. No, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you're you're unfortunately getting those rejections, and you you're applying a ton. So, what finally gets you that first break for yourself, that first job? Um, I'll say after. Well, <laughs> the thing is, <laughs> I actually got a bunch of jobs at once, <laughs> and I did it. I don't care. I was working for. I think it was like close to 20 hours a day, like just working three different jobs or something. But um, the pickle farm, they actually did get back to me after I told them like, who needs experience to do pickles or whatever. Um, I had, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, we got, we got to pause. So you straight up told them, dude, who needs experience to work at a pickle farm yeah. and hired you? Yeah. They, they, they said it was something towards the effect of no, we're looking for somebody with more experience. And I said, like who whoever has experience putting pickles in a box like i said that's that that requires you know your frontal cortex or whatever like you need basic motor skills to do that and they said you know what we'll give you a shot if you like if you think you can do it all right okay so you got the pickle farm job yeah, so i i had uh, um, and then what what other two jobs are you working i had another job uh, in a freezer it was like this beef uh like job or something, I had to like crack beef in half and put them in a box or something. I hated that job, but I had to do it. And um, I had another job where I was working um, for, it was like this Mary Kay factory where I'm putting labels on the Mary Kay product tubes. Got it. Yeah. So it's like working that clock, <laughs> clock like clockwork. Yeah. Okay. So you got three jobs and now you're obviously making some money. Um, what's life looking like for you now? Well, uh, a little bit better, you know, even though with those jobs, I'm not going to lie, I I wanted to quit, you know, working 20 hours a day, it just, it was, it was draining me. So I would get, say, like the pickle farm job, I think I lasted like a week, I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was crazy because uh, all the different stuff that they, they uh, wanted me to do. I think, you know, I went from that job to getting that job to losing it a week later. Um, or me quitting a week later, then getting another job at a factory, um, almost doing something like the first job uh, that I was doing, um, which was a warehouse uh, uh, 
uh, I was stuffing boxes and trucks and everything. And, you know, I went from that job to, you know, another job. And this is, you know, balancing two or three jobs at a time. Um, so it's just me trying to get back up on my feet. You know, once again, I had that that crappy car that always needed repairs. I, I went from there to just trying to save my money, trying to get out of where I am because I'm like, I, I can't live like this, you know, getting a job and then leaving it a week later or getting a job and then getting pushed out or having no energy because I'm literally sleeping for an hour or two a day and then having to work. So that's whenever I said, I want to get an actual job that's that's good for me, you know, something that's like a career that I can make a career out of. And that's whenever I started working for uh, Easy Rest. It was a, it was a, I was a salesman, an in-home salesman where uh, people would fill out like a little form saying, hey, we want this thing for free. And I would come in and say, hey, let me sell it to you instead of getting it for free. But that was my first like actual job where I was making like, I think it was maybe $500 at the time a week or something. Yeah. And so you're an engineer now. Um, so obviously very different than all these different you know, pickle <laughs> farm jobs, so obviously being in sales. So um, now tell us how you found engineering as your path. Definitely. So, and this is, you know, the, I guess more where my story gets a little bit better rather than just bouncing around jobs. So, so what I did, I, I knew I wanted to be in tech. I wanted to, since I graduated college, I was going to, or graduated high school, I was going to college for engineering, you know, and uh, I, I'm, I hated that I had to stop it. So I wanted to go back into school. The only thing is um, I still had to work full time to support myself. Um, and so I needed something that was online. I needed something with some kind of financial aid that I could get approved for. Um, and I wanted something structured. But anyway, I searched um, for online, you know, boot camps uh, at the time because I wanted to do software engineering. And that's when I saw an ad come up for Lambda School, um, which is an online coding academy. And I really liked that. You know, it checked all the boxes <laughs> and everything. And so, um, like in the tweet, one of the, uh, it checked all the boxes, it zero down, you know, it was, online um but the only thing was it was full-time and that broke my heart because i was like this seems like a perfect thing for me to get me in the field that i want to do uh to want to be in um but it was full-time and i had to work full-time so i told i actually went <laughs> went out on a limb and i emailed the ceo of the school and i asked him i you know we just had a little conversation um it wasn't it wasn't much it was kind of like hey i don't think i can do this and he just kind of talked talked to me about it to feel out my situation a little bit more but the thing that blew my mind is that the ceo of a company actually took his time to email me back and it wasn't you know like his secretary or something like that it was actually the ceo of a company who says you know this isn't even my student, you know, he, he might be a potential student, but I'm going to take my time out and respond to him and actually talk to him. And that was the first time it's like somebody that high up actually spoke to me, you know, and that blew my mind. And until that just showed me that's, you know, the school that I wanted to be at. So um, once again, you know, that, that's where I got that fire in me again and to, to, to want to do what I want to do. And I went, I made sure my phone was hooked up to, you know, what, uh, the hotspot or whatever. For, and I bought the crappiest MacBook that I think I could have at the time. It barely even turned on. Um, and because we didn't have any like uh, Wi-Fi, I couldn't use any of the computers or anything like that. And I just went to school online like that while I was working full time. 
Wow. I mean, it goes back to uh, it, like with something I can tell, again, this being our first conversation, but something you've kind of done is you've, you've taken that chance, right? And to, taken that chance to email Austin, uh, the CEO of Landa, and you've taken that chance to tell that pickle farm person that, hey, dude, like what experience do you actually need to put some pickles in a box? I mean, it's it's taking those chances. And I think, again, those examples can be either very small um, or very big, but you never know what opportunities will open up if you don't ever take that chance. Um, where do you feel like that? I mean, again, obviously you felt that fire in you. Um, you were living for yourself. Did you kind of just have the attitude of, look, I've got nothing to lose. I've hit rock bottom before. So, you know, emailing the CEO, I mean, what is there really to lose here? Is that what was going in your head? Pretty much, you know, like all my life or I'll say the greater part of my life, um, uh, I've always been doubted and it's always been like, you know, getting a bunch of no's before I get a yes. So it was kind of just like you said, you know, what do I have to lose? I was like, the worst thing that could happen is he doesn't answer me. You know, that doesn't, it doesn't hurt my feelings. You know, if he doesn't answer, I would have just chalked it up to he's the CEO. He doesn't have time, you know, so it was just going out on the limb. Nice. So, so you found a way you got your phone, you got a crappy MacBook, you got your hotspot linked up because you don't have Wi-Fi and you're going to class. Um, what, you know, obviously you're now working full time, um, but in these short four years, you've essentially gone from homelessness to being in school and working full time again, uh, to now being a homeowner. So does that happen over two years? Does that happen over three? What, what steps did you actually take to make that happen for yourself? Yeah, I want to say uh, this was like about, I'll say three years, because when I got my, whenever I said I wanted to go to school and everything, um, I was still homeless and even working at Matches Farm. Um, the thing is, I, I would go to school while working and, you know, have my classes online while talking to customers pretty much. And uh, even after the store closed, because I was still homeless at the time, I would just stay in the store, you know, until 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock, you know, working and studying because this is something that I really wanted to do. So I just kept, I think I put more hours than well, anybody in the school or something, but I kept doing that. And, um, you know, eventually I, I was uh, able to afford enough to buy a room in uh, somebody's apartment but uh, I still went to school online. So, you know, I was just really dedicated to learning as much as I could about um, being a developer and, and learning the languages and tech stack and everything like that, because I told myself it was, um, I think it was like September of 2017 or something. I said, you know, a year from now, I want to have a job in software engineering. So all through, you know, I went through school doing that, um, studying, just working hard, making sure that, um, setting hard and making sure that, you know, I, I'm pushing myself in the right direction to uh, actually going through interviews, the same thing that I did with without having a job when I was in my car at the library applying for a thousand jobs. You know, I did the same thing as a developer. I didn't have any experience being a software engineer except, you know, building a few small websites or something. So I just applied for everything and anything that would hire me or anybody that would hire me or talk to me or give me a chance. So, um, I actually, that goal that I said that I set for myself, it was, I think it was September 4th of 2017. 
um, I actually got hired September 3rd of 2018. And I didn't even know I met my goal. I forgot about the goal until it came up on my memories because I think I like shared it on Facebook or some app or something like that. And they told me like, oh, this is in your memories. And I was like, wow, I emailed Austin or I uh, messaged him on Slack and I was like, hey, you know, I met my goal and I didn't even I didn't even know it. So that's beautiful and I'm, I'm i'm obviously very glad to hear that uh i want to also talk about you had mentioned this on your twitter as a black man with tattoos you know now being an engineer whereas unfortunately we just even as i've worked with so many different companies and engineering teams i rarely see like black i mean definitely not black women engineers uh, and rarely see black male engineers. Um, what has that been like for you, both when you were frankly homeless and obviously, you know, everything that's been going on and we hear the news and the profiling that's constantly happening. Did you have any experiences that you want to talk about? And then, of course, looking for a job, how did that impact you and your ability to get to your goal? Yeah, I mean, uh, the same thing. I mean, even as an uh, a developer and I, I'm confident enough to say I know what I know and I'm even confident enough to say I can admit what I don't know. But coming into that, having that initial talk with somebody and they're like, man, this guy is great. And then seeing me in person and I've had interviews where they would ask one question like, oh, do you have some stuff that you've built? And I'll show them and, you know, they'll they'll chalk it up and say, okay, no, we're looking for somebody else. And they'll say, because, you know, maybe I didn't build something, um, you know, good enough or something like that. Or another interview, well, where they'll ask me, you know, one question or something like that and just say, oh, well, we don't like the answer to that, you know, so we're going to go with somebody else. You know, it's been, and it's not even joking. It's literally been, you know, one question or, or something like that. And it, and it just, it hurts because one, I'm going out of my time <laughs> to, to go through this interview but it's, I prep so much, you know, for interviews, I'll study for literally 10 hours the day before and all throughout, you know, from whenever I get the notification of getting the uh, interview, you know, whatever it be. And I know I'm going, you know, I'm coming in with all this confidence and then just to get shot down. But even being on other teams, because I've been on a lot of different engineering teams, you know, I have an idea or something like that. And Either gets immediately shot down or if I'm speaking and trying to give my experience on something, I'm getting talked over and almost like I don't I don't matter, you know, and that really it really hurt initially because, you know, I'm thinking I put a year's worth of being a developer into studying for 15 hours a day, almost every single day into being a developer to yeah, I know I don't know as much as guys who've been developers for 20 years, but, you know, I feel like I should still deserve a chance to, it just, just getting shut down a lot. And that was one of the first things that, that, that hurt. And that was one of the things that I, I wanted to never, ever make anybody feel like that. Like, even now I'm, a, I'm still a teacher on the side because I want to be able to push the students and see somebody who's actually in the development field and seeing, you know, women, you know, I always push women to be developers because there needs to be more. I always uh, um, push people of color, whether they're black or, um, you know, just people who aren't, say, like white or Indian, which are the ones who dominate the the uh, uh, developing field. I always want to push them and give them that, that encouragement that they can do it because I say, 
they I know how it feels to be shut down and I don't want anybody else to ever feel like that as much as I can help anybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's awesome to see obviously giving back and do you also work with populations that are struggling with homelessness and are kind of in the same place you were four years ago? Um, I know on your Twitter, you had also mentioned, you know, you want to stand up and help people who, regardless of their circumstances, they obviously want to change their circumstances, but they feel like they can't because life is against them or whatever it may be. And, and you're really sharing your story because your intention is, look, guys, like I literally had nothing, uh, not even, you know, a support system to get me through the really, really, really hard days. But here I am. Um, is there, is there something you want to share with the community so people can reach out to you? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, there's a lot of like, after that post, I got probably thousands of DMs or something, people wanting motivation, people wanting inspiration, people just wanting to talk to, I guess, somebody that would hear them. And I always reply. I mean, I might not get back to everybody, you know, within a couple of days, but Anybody that replies to me and says, hey, Chris, you know, can you be that person that listens to me? I always say yes. Like, I don't, I, I would, you know, if I'm busy, I would move time out of my day to make sure I can help that one person. Because I always say, you know, you always hear the thing about, hey, that, that person that you help could save your life later. I really feel that way. Or if not my life, I really feel like that person that I can help will help somebody else's life or somebody close to me or something like that, or even help themselves. I mean, you know, people who have kids, like my relationship with my parents wasn't strong. And I hated that, you know, like for my son, I always want to make sure he can look up to me and come to me and stuff. And um, same thing with other people and their kids. I, I hope that people are making sure that their kids can come up to them and make sure that, you know, they're, they have a strong relationship. So um, so th- w- uh, anybody that wants to reach out to me on Twitter or something like that or any kind of social media or anything, um, I always say, go for it. You know, I'll get back, I'll get to you. But if you just need somebody to talk to, at least one person, because that's what I wish I had, <laughs> at least one person that I could, you know, lean on at that time or depend on when I'm, you know, at that, at that tipping point, um, just to push me over in the right direction. I mean, it took myself to do it. But if I had somebody external saying, hey, as as little as, hey, Chris, you could do it. You know, I never heard that. I always wanted somebody to say, I'm proud of you. You know, it, it almost brought me to tears whenever, you know, I post that that little tweet, which I thought was only going to get maybe three likes um, on Twitter to people I don't even know saying, hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, you you inspire me. Like, I never thought that would happen. So yeah, that needs any to reach out. I say go for it. I'll. I'll Listen. That's beautiful. I speaking of motivation, I mean you're a 24 year old and now you have this home to your name. Um, most people that have like, you know, fortunately haven't even thought homelessness. Um, they can't even imagine being a homeowner in this economy at 24. Um, so what was that process like for you? Was owning a home always part of your Goals. I mean, of course, you had mentioned right four years ago, you couldn't even imagine that for yourself. Um, but what really sparked that goal for you? And then how did you make that happen? Yeah, I'll say um, it was just thinking more about my son. You know, I have had ever since that I started out with a room in somebody's apartment to owning my own apartment to getting a bigger apartment than like a small one bedroom studio or whatever. Um, then I was like, you know, I want my son to be able to have somewhere where 
uh, he doesn't have to move around a lot. You know, for me, I like I said earlier um, in the podcast, I I moved around so much. Like I want to say cl- double digits easily. You know, I lost count how many times I've had to move, and I never want my son to feel like that. So I wanted a place where he could grow up. It's enough room for him to run around and play and do all kinds of stuff, you know, and have a good life, you know, be able to invite friends over. And like I said, I didn't have those long-term friendships. I want him to be able to have that. I want him to be able to say, hey, you know, friend, whatever, you can come over, you can hang out with me, you know, my dad's chill, <laughs> you know, like come over and stuff. So I, that's what started. I was like, I want to have a permanent place to stay. And, oh, and how old's your son, by the way? He's two. Oh, that's awesome. So, so you're, you became a father when you were 22. Um, and at the same time, at 22, you had just graduated Lambda or you were going to Lambda school? Um, I had just graduated or I was go- I was going to. So I was getting ready to graduate. Got it. And now, you know, obviously with Lambda, um, they have an income sharing agreement, right? So you don't owe anything until you've got a job. So now that you've got a job, you've got your income sharing agreement. Um, I want to talk about just like finances for a second, Mm -hmm. because again, the biggest pushback I get from people, people in their thirties and their forties is they can't afford a home. Um, They're in so much debt. They have, you know, their, their lifestyle, like cost of living is too high, but here you are. You've got a two-year-old son you're looking out for. You you went to school. Yes, you didn't take you know upfront student loan debt. Yes, you have an income sharing agreement, um, but it's still debt. You're still paying you know something out of your pocket every month. How, financially, how did you get that house? Um, how could you afford it? Yeah, so you know it was just being smart with my money. The thing is, from having nothing to actually getting something i never really you know just started saying oh i'm going to spend all of my money you know it's like i started out by only spending what i had to you know like food and and stuff i didn't go out i didn't party and stuff i was looking i even though i was in a comfortable spot say at mattress firm i wanted to go past that once i got my first developer job I didn't want to stay at there. You know, I'm pretty open with my finances. Like when I first got my job, I was, when I got my first job, I was making 65000 a year, you know, which is a really good income, but in the development field, it's on the lower end, you know, and that's what I started out with. But at that point I was making more money than I had ever seen, you know? Um, and then going from then to working at Comcast, I think I was just around like hundred K or 90 K, something like that. Um, you know, to even now where I'm making, you know, even much more than that. So it's like having that house, but even still having, being able to save up to have the house, no matter what, how much I increased in income, I never started just spending all my money. I never just said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm where it's at now, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm a millionaire, you know, I'm great. I, I don't have to save money. It's like, no, I still planned, you know, I didn't, have so I didn't even though I had to put say like a large down payment on the house I didn't spend all of my money to do so so I can still do like get the floors redone or something like that so I would just say you know whenever it's getting in that process of getting a house make sure you're being smart you know plan to get a house don't just it's not like an apartment where you could just say hey next month I want an apartment so let me just save up two thousand dollars or three thousand dollars and and get it it's like no, you have to plan for it no matter, I feel like no matter how much money you have, but that's just me. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, when you when we we're talking earlier, you know, you had mentioned you didn't have a support system, you didn't have long term friendships ever since you were a kid. And then obviously, you didn't have the best relationships with your family. What are those relationships like now? Do you feel like you have a support system? Have you found or built new relationships? Um, now that you know, you're building your life on your own terms? Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, my, my relationship with my parents, even though it's not the best, I say it's getting better to where, you know, I've always at least respected them as my parents or my mom and my stepdad. Um, I've always respected them to at least be that parental figure, but I never really saw them as friends. And even still, it's still hard for me to say like, hey, I can confide in you. I can trust you with this information or I can go to you for advice. But I'm trying to push myself to, you know, I have a lot of trust issues. Um, so that's still a big thing to get over. But even with my friendships, you know, I'm going out, I'm finding friends. I have like a group of friends that I'm really close with and everything. And um, I'll say that's one of the next things for me to improve my life is just my relationships with people. So I think it's improving, but I wouldn't say it's where I want it to be now. You know? Got it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's also just recognizing your own power, right? I mean, you just went through like to hell and back uh, in the last four or five years. So uh, what do you feel like is the biggest thing you've learned about yourself? I'll say my resilience, you know, even even now today, you know, I still have things that I'm having to push through, you know, it wasn't just a straight going, it wasn't just a straight, I'll say, um, it wasn't just a straight, like, you know, line up to where I am now, you know, I've had some downs even before, uh, through throughout all of that, you know, throughout all my life, and I'll say my resilience just to push through, and that's what I would want for everybody to find in themselves is that thing that pushes them to keep going forward, you know, to, to not succumb to all the bad things that's happening that's going on or anything, but that's that fire to, to um, fight. But I think for me, the thing that I learned about myself is that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to, to, I guess, push my life forward. I, I, I've done a lot of things in my life, you know, good and bad, you know, not terrible or anything like that, but, you know, so I have to have some negatives and positives, but I think it all worked out in the end. Yeah. And, you know, apart from obviously the situation not happening in the first place, but when you were going through the last four to five years, what is in the early years, at least, what is one thing you wish you had um, while going through that experience? I would say uh, someone to lean on or to motivate, you know, it self-motivation is good, but I think it only goes so far, but, you know, not having somebody that I can like say depend on or somebody else that can like, you know, give me money when I need it or something like that, but just somebody to say, Hey, Chris, I see that you just did this. You know, I'm proud of you. Even the little things like, Hey, Chris, you don't have a job and now you have a job getting eight dollars an hour you know good job that's something great that'll that'll show me that i'm pushing that i'm going in the right direction you know if i had that i really feel like that would have that would have made me feel so better that would have pulled me out of depression you know like i would have i don't know I, i that would be one thing that i want it's just that external motivation other than me motivating myself yeah, love it. Well, I'm uh, so happy to see that you can be that person now 
um, hopefully for quite a few people um, who are reaching out to you or frankly just listening to your story and you know whether they get to connect with you directly or not I think just seeing your spirit I think if I had to you know recap like three main things to take away from your story that really helped you get to this point, number one, I think your mindset, um, having that switch take place, uh, whatever that experience, out-of-body experience was for you, however we want to internalize that, but just being able to not just feel that switch in your mindset, but to hold on to it, to hold on to that energy and power through and look at the positives. Um, mindset, I believe, is everything. Um, I think the only thing we can do when life throws, uh, you know, it's stuff at us is, is figure out how we want to react to it. And those reactions determine so much, um, of our actions and our tolerance levels and our resilience. So absolutely. I love that. Um, the second thing is the fact that you always sought answers, um, you know, whether it was, uh, applying to all these jobs and being open to whatever's out there to, you know, finding Lambda. I mean, that came from you just researching and trying to figure out for my situation, what works for me, instead of trying to box yourself um, and do things the way, you know, you're told to do them. Um, Obviously, in your situation, you didn't even have the time to think about how you should do things, you just had to do it. Um, So that, I think, seeking answers and constantly being open to experiences and opportunities Um, I took that as a takeaway. And then lastly, always focusing on the outcome. Um, You know, for you, it was, hey, I need to be in X place in two days. I can't think about a year from now. Uh, I just got to think about two days from now and focusing on that outcome and not, you know, uh, demeaning yourself because you don't have your five-year plan like we're taught to have. And then eventually, I think when you did get to that position where you could think a year from now, I'm going to have that software engineering job cool. Like, I don't know if you noticed that about yourself, but all of a sudden you went from thinking two days, two weeks from now to, okay, a year from now. Um, That is freaking beautiful. And is just another sign of your evolution and your growth over time. Yeah, I I agree. You know, I've had a lot of time in the past, I guess, you know, weeks since, uh, you know, I have my little 15 minutes of fame or whatever, but I've had a lot of time to do some you know, thinking about where I've been. And I I agree. Well, thank you for sharing your story with us, Chris. And uh, how can our listeners find you? Um, What's the best way to get in touch with you? Um, I guess nowadays it's probably Twitter. So uh, at King Atoki, uh, K-I-N-G-A-T-O-K-I. And uh, follow or DM me, you know, either one. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right, Chris. Well, thanks again. Uh, We're excited to obviously uh, follow your journey and wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. I appreciate you spending some time to talk to me.